integrity is so much bigger than what I covered a moment ago. That is just one part. It's, it's a compartment of the integrity we need to live. So let's talk about integrity on a broad scope of being a church that, are, that one of our foundational truths that we will build and live on is that we will be people of integrity. From the pastor, lead pastor, everybody down. All of us will be people of integrity. We'll live what we say we are. And I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in the Beatitudes. I love the Beatitudes. One of of these days I'll preach a whole series on the Beatitudes, I promise. It's coming one day. I love the Beatitudes. Jesus told you the secret to happiness in those Beatitudes. That if you would adopt a certain frame of mind in the Greek text, blessed, that's there in all the Beatitudes. This is Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to be showing you the sixth one today. But in those attitudes, here's what takes place. In the Greek text, it means blessed, and Jesus uses that terminology, or that's our translation that we have. And uh, I need to get out of the Ten Commandments and actually go to my message notes. Just give me one second. Ah, there they are. I might need them, maybe. But uh, in that beatitude, here's what it means. That blessed, that word in the Greek, it means happy are you. If you adopt this mindset, happy are you. To be congratulated are you. So with that in mind, stand with me, and I want to read to you one verse, and then we're going to look at some good scripture, really good scripture on living a life of integrity. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart. So happy are the pure in heart. To be congratulated are the pure in heart. Everybody with me? Yep. You can talk back to me. We got to fill this place up, guys. We really do need to fill this place up. This message needs to be heard by many more people in our community. Amen? Listen to this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. He gives you eight secrets to happiness. Attitudes to adopt that will make you a congratulated happy person does anybody in the house want to be happy anybody okay the rest of you are lying if you did not raise your hand all right happy everybody wants to be happy amen i'm going to tell you how to today one way okay be seated father bless the teaching of your word i pray that we would hear it with clarity and lord help your holy spirit to lord we just pray that he is our our teacher today that we hear from you and really just from you but lord integrity is just so lacking in our culture help us today to be people of integrity and maybe an area of our life needs to be tweaked or adjusted but lord may we tweak the whole everything and we ask this in christ's name amen I want you to also look at another passage of Scripture because I'll be turning there for the bulk of my message, and that is found in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And we'll spend the bulk of the time there this morning. Um, And I want to talk to you about integrity. Now, here's the big, big hurdle for us as Christians to live a life of integrity. Here's the problem. 
It's found in the book of Jeremiah. It's in verse 9, and it reads as follows. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, The heart is deceptive. The heart is deceptive above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I've got a problem. You've got a problem. Back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve chose for all of humanity, for all time, and we inherited from them two people that knew perfection that were in the Garden of Eden and the world was incredible. And they walked with God on a daily basis. They chose sin. And it has affected all of us. And then we live in this world system. This fallen world where it's constantly pulling at us to not be responsible spiritual people but to go the way of the world. And I want to share with you that uh, you can beat that. By the power of God, through the Holy Spirit, through Spirit-filled living, you can rise above your sin nature. Amen? You know that word, amen? I'm beginning to wonder if you know that word. Just, Just saying... I'd like for you to talk back to me, and don't be afraid, that won't make me go longer. We've, we've got me on a new leash. Uh, I won't even tell you what it is, but it's working. It worked last week, and it's helping this week, too. Uh, you, never mind. Uh, let me tell you this story. One, one morning, Alfred Nobel, in 1888, got up went and got the newspaper, the morning newspaper, opened it up, turned to the obituaries, and read his own obituary. Freaked him out. I don't know if they used that terminology back then, but it did freak him out. That's what happened. He read in that uh, obit, and what had happened is uh, he had had a relative die. In fact, I think it may have been his brother And like they do today where they prepare uh, these video clips and and writings about famous people so that when they pass, they can immediately get it out uh, in the news and and on television. Uh, What they had done is they had prepped for his death and had that ready to go. And it was, I think, if I remember the story correctly, I think it was his brother that had passed. But anyway, as he read the obituary, it called him the father of destruction. He had made all of his wealth on inventing dynamite and weapons of warfare. And he read that and decided the rest of his life, my life I'm not going to be remembered as the doctor of destruction. I'm not going to be remembered as that. I'm going to be remembered for something else. And so what he did is he started living his life and he started helping mankind in multiple ways. And today we know him for what? The Nobel Peace Prize. Isn't that amazing? So the latter part of his life, he, he worked on that focus. So now people are given a Nobel Peace Prize in his name. And I just think it's important for us as people that we understand our name and what we leave behind us is extremely important as well, isn't it? It's important while we're here. 
I want to share with you, and let me share with you what I believe are three concepts. Now, integrity is something that's quite interesting because if you look at the word integrity and you take it from its original meaning, it actually comes from a math term. And in that math term, the math term means the whole, the entire piece, the full equation. It's not just part of it. In our lives today, what so many people do in our culture is they compartmentalize their spirituality. They may go to church and do certain things, and some things may be easy for them to live out. Other people, it's, I mean, they're just, those things are difficult on, on other areas, and they just, well, I won't do that. I'll live this part. I'll do these things. Here's what's important for you to understand. Integrity has to do with your in full, whole, complete life. It has to do with your whole witness, all the areas of your life. And since that's the case, let me take this, this sixth beatitude of how you can be happy, why you should be congratulated, uh, blessed are you if you live this way. And he talks about us being pure in heart. Pure in heart. So join me in looking at this passage and in a moment, I'll be in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to, I mean, 1 uh, Peter chapter 3, and we'll cover some of that. But let me share some things that we can do some defining of integrity. One is the, 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 the fact that it is wholeness. It's the entire part of your life, not just part of your life. Kind of talked about that already. Another part is it could be defined as authenticity. Authenticity is very descriptive of integrity because we are, as Christians, want to be the real deal. You can go back in Greek uh, culture and you see a term that emerged for actors and they called them hypocritus. They were, we use the word, we get our word hypocrite from that. And they actually would wear a mask. They would put a mask on their face and become this person they were uh, playing uh, that person in the play, this drama. They would have that in the outfit, and they would wear that. Well, that's where that word and our word hypocrite comes from, is play acting. And when we do that as Christians, and we don't really live out what we say we are, we are too wearing a mask. And it's important for us to not do that. Listen, the world loves to point they, they, they don't look at Jesus, and when we get them to look at Jesus, things change. But when they look at us, often, sometimes they will, they will make the statement, they'll say, well, there's hypocrisy in the church. And I always tell them this, hey, if you're hung up about hypocrisy, listen, go to church with a few. You're right, I'll, just tell, I'll agree with them. I'll say, yeah, there's hypocrites at church. Yeah, I've pastored some. I don't have any at the Oaks, but I've had them in former churches. See, I don't know any yet, you know. I uh, haven't seen any uh, hypocritical moments yet. But I'll just, uh, I, I agree with, don't argue with them, agree with them. And then I'll tell them this, I said, man, if you really don't want to be around hypocrites, you know, hypocrites are going to hell. And if you, I'd go to church with a few so that I didn't go to hell with all of them, amen? Because that's where they're going to go. That's where, that's where, they, where it ends up, authenticity. Another characteristic is godly focus. And again, it's about the concept of you desiring to be godly more than you desire to be anything else. And it's that idea 
that I will live for the Lord. The Lord will be first in my life. I will love him above all things. And godly focus is part of that. Let me share with you some principles that come out of this passage in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Here's what's so interesting about this. Peter had a terrible problem in his life with inconsistency. You see, he was trying to become a man of integrity, and he was obviously a very good leader. He was a leader of men. He was this rough, tough fisherman. He's quite a contrast from the intellectual intelligence of Paul. And uh, he, he, he no doubt was more of the, the, the country preacher uh, between the two. He was more of this rugged individual, and people disliked Peter. But Peter had a big mouth. And Peter used to stick his foot in his mouth all the time. And Peter was so spontaneous that he would just simply mess up. And we look at Peter and we laugh at him. And we look at the other disciples and we laugh at him. And what you're watching is the human reaction to Almighty God. And that's why we relate so much to the apostles, the disciples. You're watching the human response to God. And it's us. That's why it entertains us, right? You realize that? God did that as an example for you there. Now check this out. First Peter chapter uh, 3, first thing that's said, I want to share with you some attitudes, some things that we should walk in, things that we should not walk in, that we need to walk away from. So these are issues of integrity, and Peter is somebody that knew this firsthand, and finally he gets his act together, starts walking in the fullness of the Spirit, he becomes this incredible leader for the church of Jesus Christ, and here's what we learn about him, and he tells you about the process he had to go through to become a man of integrity, to really be living out as a Christian leader in the early church. I mean, he was the man. If it's not Paul, it's Peter, and he was the guy. And God used him. Check this out. He says you've got to walk right. You've got to walk right. And when I say walk, here's what I'm speaking of. Here's things that we have to walk in. When you come to Christ, you're called to leave one walk and come into some new ways of walking. Amen? Here's a list of these new attitudes and behaviors. And Peter is saying... I did this, and this was a process of me becoming a man of integrity and a godly leader for the church. Number one, listen to what he lists as number one. I'm in verse 8. I'm going to read down 8 all the way down to verse 15. He says, live in harmony with one another. He brings that up first. You've got to come to a place of harmony with your brothers and your sisters. Is there a message for the church of Jesus Christ there? You better believe there is, isn't there? We need to be people that are living in harmony with one another. The stuff that doesn't matter, let it go. The stuff that does matter to you, Resolve it with somebody, if all possible. In Romans chapter 12, do you remember that what it says there? It says, be at peace with all people if it is all at all possible. Now, here's the interruption to peace, right, with someone. If they don't want to make peace with you, can you do anything about that? You can't. That's where you simply say, that's a prayer matter, it breaks my heart that we can't, can't settle this, but you move on. And maybe down the road sometime you can make peace about that, right? But we... 
our goal as Christians is to always be peacemakers, right? Live in harmony with one another. Number two, he says in verse 8, be sympathetic. We are to be people of love. Jesus made that abundantly clear that we are to be people that with among in the Christian camp, here's what he said, that you will be known by what? What's the outstanding characteristic of a Christian in any setting? Jesus said, John 13, 35, what did he say? Love one another. A new commandment I give you, love one another. By this, by this, underline it, by this, all people will know you are my disciples because you love one another. No excuse for not loving each other in the church of Jesus Christ. Do we fight with our brothers and sisters? It happens, right? Do you get bothered? Do you rub each other like sandpaper sometimes? Sure we do. But we are called to love one another regardless. Amen? So he says, be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Love as brothers is the next expression. Obviously, sisters, you got to love as sisters. It's implied there, even though not stated. Number four, be compassionate and look at the coupling of the word and humble. Be compassionate and humble. Peter is telling you, this is what I had to do is this rough, tough, uh, ornery, probably foul-mouthed fisherman. I had to start living like this for God to make me a person of integrity. I had to adopt this type of attitude about my life. And he says, be compassionate and humble. Is that not like love as brothers? Is that not like sympathetic? Well, he's using it in a little different way here that we love as brothers, be compassionate. To be compassionate is to be compassionate, care about the things that God cares about. That's what he's referring to. Care about now the things that God cares about since you are a co-laborer, co-follower of Jesus Christ. He says, number five, you must seek peace and pursue it. We've already had two passages that kind of speak to that. Seek peace and pursue it. Then he says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. You can't do all these other things if you don't make Jesus Christ the centerpiece of your life and you crown him as the Lord, Lord of your life. He says that in verse 15. Here's some things that you should walk away from. Things you should walk away from. But whoever would love their life and see good days must. So he's telling you again, if you, uh, if you want the best possible life, here's the path. And he tells us some things that we need to walk away from. These are things that you're leaving. You're walking away. You're going to leave this behind. What are they? Here's, the, here's what they are. These attitudes. You've got to drop them. As a Christian, you've got to walk this way. This is what he's telling us. These are Christian attitudes. And he says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. If somebody is rude to you, bless them. It's, it kind of blows their mind. If they're nasty to you and you, you come back in a, in a gentle and kind way, it, does, it blows their mind. I, uh, I got... The first week I served at a, another church, went out with a, one of the staff members, first day, second day, I think it was the second day I'd been there in the office. He said, hey, I'm going to take you down to, to such and such place, and it's a famous place in that city. 
and we went down there to a restaurant, and the parking lot is very confined, and, and so you have to kind of get in line, and then you drive around the parking lot until somebody pulls out, and then you can pull into a parking spot. And there's, you know, we want our church to be like that. Wouldn't it be awesome? They're waiting for a place to park and get in here. That would be incredible, wouldn't it? Well, they did that, and so we finally got a parking place, and I got to see some road rage, or maybe I should call it parking lot rage, and uh, the, the thing that was sad is we're sitting there in the car and we're getting ready to get out and we literally don't get out because there is a, a fight in front of our car. And it is a guy in a, in a Beamer. He's got a suit on, tie, looks very nice, very professional looking. And a lady in an expedition pulls out in front of him with kids in the car, and uh, she's driving, and he, he's screaming his head off. In fact, this guy got so angry that he rolled his window down. He leans out his Beamer, and he's screaming his head off, and he's cussing, and he, he's just, I mean, he's just in a rage. He grabs his styrofoam cup from the restaurant. So he had, he had just eaten at this nice restaurant. He grabs his styrofoam cup to go, leans out the car window, gets beside her car, stops. She starts to put down her window. He does a couple of gestures, and I don't think I'd have to tell you what he did. And then takes his styrofoam cup full of a drink and throws it at her car. And then my staff member tells me, that's one of our church members. Wow, imagine what happened when we had our first meeting. At first, I didn't say anything about it. I just simply told him, I said, hey, I saw you the other day. Yeah, yeah, I saw you. You were leaving. We went to such and such restaurant, and then his face just changed. He said, did you see me in the restaurant? I said, no, I saw you out in the parking lot. <laughs> I don't normally act like that, Pastor. I'm like, hey, God sees it all. We, we've got to become cog cognitively aware that what we think, what we do, what all, you know, integrity is all about what, what you do when nobody's around, isn't it? What do you do? See, I actually saw that. First thing I saw this church member do was have a parking lot rage on a lady. And you know, sometimes with a bigger car, it, it, it can, you know, you're, you're like, I gotta give way or they'll crush my little car, right? And, uh, but there was no excuse for that. She's just trying to get out of there. Maybe she wasn't polite to him. I, I didn't see that part. I just saw, after, I saw his response. God's watching you. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with whether the pastor or staff member is around or anything like that. God's watching you. And he sees it all and you need to live your life cognitively aware that he's watching you. It's so important, isn't it? Because integrity involves us when, nobody, when we think no one's looking, because they might be. 
And he says that we need to do these things. In fact, in the passage, you remember I read in verse 9, he says, do not pay evil, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Look at number 2. Verse 10. He, we need to keep our tongue from evil and our lips from deceitful speech. Number three, he must turn from evil and do good. This is what you're called to do. Peter is telling you how he became a new man, how he had a new attitude, how he became somebody that was a real man of integrity. Then he says this, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. What does the world fear? It could be everything. What do Christians fear? I fear two things. I fear God, and I fear a little lady I'm married to named Kimma. I sort of do sometimes, you know. She's my life partner, and we've been uh, blessed with 36 wonderful years of marriage. I can't wait for two weeks to pass so I can get her. I'm going to preach that Sunday morning, Christmas Eve, and I'm flying out. A couple days later, I'm bringing the whole shebang back. Watch out, the Judes are coming to town. Man, we're going to be here, and uh, I'm excited about that. And I'm so much better with my wife because when, when, when she doesn't feel like the Holy Spirit has got a hold of me, guess who, who gets a hold of me? Miss <laughs> Kimma. She will. She, she, uh, she joins in there sometimes and says, hey, 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 stop that. And uh, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be frightened. Why should we live a righteous life? I want you to go back to verse 12, and here's what it says. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ear is attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If we name Jesus and then we don't follow him, God is literally going to be working against you. Do you hear that? If we do evil, the Bible tells us right here, clear in black and white scripture, what does it say? He tells you that if you, do, you don't live a certain way... See, God blesses the person that will really obey Him. Did we cover that last week? Oh, yeah. Obedience equals what? Obedience equals what? Obedience equals what, church? You were here and you listened, yes? And you applied it, yes? And here's another application. Here's what he says. He tells us, he says, for the eyes of the Lord, you've got to remember, God sees it all. There's nothing out of his sight. Nothing. That is humbling, it could be humiliating, and it could also be an awakening for you to realize God sees all of it. All of it. He knows our attitudes, doesn't he? He knows what you're thinking right now. Listen to this. His ear is attentive to their prayer. His ear is attentive to the prayer of what? The person that is doing what? They're living righteously. Then listen to it, get to the end of the passage. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I could name Christ and then not live for Him, and I hurt myself, and I have God working against me. Isn't that incredible? That is messed up, isn't it? God wants us to live for Him. Listen, we all fail, we're human, we, we are sinful, and the world system sucks us in at times, but you've got to get back up on the, the wagon, don't you? You've got to keep on going. You've got to keep turning around. If you mess up, turn around and get back in where you need to be. Amen? You just need to do that. 
So, you live that. The prayer of the righteous man, James chapter 5, verse 16, is powerful and effective. You've got to talk right. Let me just touch on this. You've got to talk right. He says, but in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone that gives the reason for the hope that you have. We've got to talk right. He tells us that we need to be able to share with someone who asks. I talked to a lady just yesterday uh, that I was talking to at a restaurant that I found out she was, she was Buddhist. And I said, wow, you know, Buddhists do a lot of wonderful things. And she says, yes, we do. I thank you for saying that. She said, are you a Christian? I said, I am. And uh, then I shared... I shared why I believe that all of us, no matter what we call ourselves, have to come to the place of who Jesus Christ is, and we have to receive Him as our Lord and Savior. And I just witnessed to her a moment, and she says, thank you for acknowledging that we do some things right. And see, you know, we're so busy sometimes condemning that we, we run into that. Did she respond to the gospel in a positive way? No. But at least I dropped a little bit of seed there. Check this out. We just need to be able to speak. It's important that we speak for Christ. We're his representatives, amen? So when somebody asks, you need to be able to speak. You need to be able to share. And he says that we should do it with a proper attitude. What? Listen to this. With gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. People really want to be respected. They don't want you to come off as that, oh, you don't know the truth. What's wrong with you? They want us to, I'm telling you, it works to be kind and respectful to people in your witness. It really does. It helps so much. Listen to this. The tongue is full of deadly poison, the Bible says, and the Bible tells us this. Let me move to a third point because we're, our time's gone. Let me just drive this home real quick. You have got to think right. How do you think right? Two things. Two things. All right? First, you've got to adopt the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, what does it say? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Then it talks about the sacrifice and the submissiveness that, it had, that, that, that Jesus' mind had to God the Father. We have to emulate that. We have to follow Christ in that way. We need to adopt the mind of Christ. He also told us in the book of Philippians that when you're having problems with your thought life, because thoughts end up becoming what? They become actions, don't they? You see, you've got to change your belief and when you know you've changed your belief, it's when your behavior has changed. Amen? So important we understand that. That's such a big, big deal. So he tells us in the passage this. Listen to this. In Philippians chapter 4, he says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think on these things. That's why it's really important what type of music you listen to, young people. And I'll say to those of you that are bigger kids, all right? It's important what kind of music you listen to. It's important what type of TV you take in. It's important what type of movies you watch. Why? Why is all that important? Because if you program junk in, guess what comes back out? Junk comes back out. Garbage in, garbage back out. You program in righteousness, good things, listening to the word, listening to messages. Uh, you, do, you, you program those things into your heart and mind what comes out. More of the time, good will come out, right? See, when you come, become a Christian, like, like what Peter's told us, you're reprogramming your system. 
You're reprogramming how your mind thinks. You're reprogramming what's in here. Why? Because if you don't have good in here, what comes out when, you're, when you have somebody pull in front of you on the highway? And you all, you, you really need to educate me some more about I-20. I'm telling you, I'm behind the eight ball on that one. I, you know, you tell me, get on it this time, don't get on it that time. I get on it, and I'm sitting there. Anytime. Okay, that's, that was my experience yesterday. I was just sitting there. I'm like, hmm, boy, look at the rejoice sign. Rejoice. And I started trying to meditate on ways to rejoice instead of thinking about how I couldn't move in traffic. And that was... The sign was very helpful to me just last night. That's all I'll say. Clean heart, clean mind, focused on Christ. Let me just add this. The Bible tells us that if you don't reprogram, here's the problem we have. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. There's this ways Barry Jude thinks wrong. And the only way I can cure that is to continually fill my heart and mind with God's word and, and think like God thinks. Imitate Christ. Live that life that imitates those things that are good and pure and lovely and are admirable as he talks about. He says, you shall be holy for I am holy in Leviticus chapter 11 verse 44. We know we're not going to be completely holy. We're clean before God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Positionally, I'm, I am saved, right? You are saved. I'm positionally clean before God, but I continue to confess my sin because I'm agreeing with God and God has called me to do that. And the Bible tells us this, and I'll just simply ask you this. We've got to shut down. Are you walking right? Talking right? Thinking right? See, Peter used that terminology to tell you this and me this today. Walking right. Change. Change your belief. It affects your behavior. And we're called to be people of integrity in all areas of our life. Amen? Walking right. Talking right. And we've got, we've got to have the Lord deal with our thinking. See, I probably should have done thinking first. That would have been the proper order. What do you need to do? 